Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her, divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Thank you, guys. Let's uh, give them a, another round of applause. Thank you, ladies, for, for that. Um, they've actually been a part of our, our church plant from the very beginning when we had 19 people in our backyard at my house. So it's just exciting to see, to see them um, and just really where God has taken them and, and us as a church. And so um, I'm going to pray as we get into our sermon. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me now to Matthew chapter 1. Um, and I just want to say this now and kind of every week this always applies. There's no shame. If you don't know where we are, there's no shame in looking at the cable of contents and finding where we're headed. Um, we're in Matthew right now. It's the first book in the New Testament. But if we're in like, you know, you know, Habakkuk or something like that, there's no shame, right, looking at the table of contents. So while you're turning there, um, if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and slip your hand up high and keep it up. And somebody will be sure to get you a Bible. Um, También si necesitas la Biblia en español, um, solamente levanta su mano y diga um, español. And um, if you don't own a Bible, you do now, okay? This is our gift to you. We want to make sure everybody has a Bible that they can keep and read and understand. And um, while we're getting there, I'm going to go ahead and pray and ask God to continue to oversee our time together. Lord, thank you for, uh, for your word. Thank you that... Um, uh, even as we stand each week, we remember that, uh, uh, Lord, this is indeed your word. God breathed sharper than any two-edged sword. That you say that the flower withers, and the, or the grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. And so, Lord, we come with anticipation and expectation that you will speak to us, Lord, that you will shape us individually and as a people. God, for your glory, for our joy, and for the good of Tucson, um, and Lord, from there, the ends of the earth. We're excited to hear from you and to be used of you and to respond accordingly. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, my, my kids play a ton of things right now. Soccer, they're in mariachi band, they do all kinds of things. And um, as a family, we just found ourselves lately being on the sidelines or in the crowd at a lot of different things, a lot of different events. And I'm sure those of you who are parents um, kind of can, can re relate with that. And those of you who are young, you know, young families and, and things like that, you can also probably look forward to the day where that comes. And something that we've started to do is just use that time when I'm the odd time or the rare occasion where I'm not coaching that 
particular team. Um, I just get to be on the sideline and get to talk to some people. Well, this week and the last, um, actually last couple weeks, I've had opportunity to talk to some people that have just kind of opened up and just shared some real life struggle and story. And so it's obviously, you know, Christmas time and we talk and every parent kind of agrees or is in the same boat. Like, man, it seems like this time, you know, comes around faster every year and we're just going from thing to thing to thing. And, and as we talk more um, and I just get to ask some questions and I have a rare adv advantage that you guys don't have um, that when someone says, you know, ask me what my job is, I say I'm a pastor, and it's just kind of an easy inroad. Sometimes it's not, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, you know, and they just kind of move away, and it's a little weird, and I just move, you know, closer. And I, um, but, but sometimes it's, uh, it, it actually gives opportunity just to, for them to respond or ask some questions of that or say, oh, yeah, what, you know, type of church is that, or what does it look like for you? And these, these two guys specifically, um, just kind of as I asked them about their own faith background and just asked them kind of where they're, where they're coming from, both guys um, shared, opened up and just shared um, hardship. And that this time of year is full of tension and, and struggle. And, and even one guy specifically, just a couple of days ago, he said, you know, um, he said, no disrespect, and I'm always like, hey, none, none taken. Like, I, I love it. When, and if you're here um, and you feel like you need to act like you believe a certain thing or you need to pretend, this is not a place, you know, for that. We want us to all be able to come authentically and, and to walk through the real-life struggle of where we are and what kind of questions we're asking. And so this guy said, you know what? No disrespect, but I, I really find it hard, specifically this time of year, to reconcile some things. In light of the tragedy that my family has walked through and the struggle that I'm in, um, how can there be a God who's good and powerful? Either he's powerful, either he's strong, he can do all these things, right? He created all these things, he's great and, and big, but I don't think he's very good because, man, what I'm going through doesn't seem like a good God would really allow it to happen. Or on the flip side, maybe God's good. Maybe he's like, you know, a big guy that wears a red suit and has a beard and means well but is, is nice and kind but can't really do anything about my life. Like, my struggle is maybe just kind of far off and, and doesn't really, God doesn't really relate to it in any way. And I just said, you know, thank you. Thank you for that reality. Thank you for, for sharing where you honestly are. And um, during this time of year, we light candles, we sing songs that are fun, and in some ways we want to escape the reality of life, but I want to encourage you and even implore you to, to, to work hard individually and all of us together to kind of rip off whatever kind of mask we feel like we need to wear when we come here. Okay, because this should be the last place where we feel like we have, to, we have to look away from the reality or the tensions in our life and those hard things that we struggle to reconcile um, are, are meant for to, 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 to truly apply to our lives. Right? As a church here, we believe strongly in the sovereignty of God. Okay, the, the sovereignty of God, very simply put, means that nothing happens outside of God's oversight, that God is in control, that he is both good and loving and present, and he is powerful and authoritative over all things. And that's good news. And sometimes churches that, 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 that believe that are individuals that kind of 
have a high view of God's sovereignty, it can seem like something that we put on the end of a stick and just beat people with, right? Like, God's sovereign, so, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't fear, have faith, or some, you know, corny, cheesy bumper sticker or slogan that's, like, really less helpful and more hurtful. And, and yet, God's sovereignty throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible, is always meant to be a comfort to his people, Okay, that when we struggle and we wrestle with these questions, God doesn't always say, this is exactly how it all unfolds, and I'm going to show you ABC, what's going on in your life and how it all knits together. But what God always says is, I'm with you. I'm present. I'm in control. I, I've got things taken care of. Look to me. Trust in me. And so as we enter into the story of God this morning, looking at the birth of Jesus, the coming of hope, we're looking at a tension-filled reality today. Okay, last week we looked at the hope of the world coming in an unlikely way, right? A, a virgin girl, a young virgin girl that that, that would that would that would become that, that would that would become pregnant by by God the Son or by the Holy Spirit, with God the Son. And it was an unlikely circumstance, an unlikely time, and an unlikely situation. And this week, we're going to look at it through another lens, through the lens of Joseph, her, her, her husband. And it's tension-filled, all right? We can become really numb to these things, right, guys? Like, let's just be real, right? We, we sing songs that if we're honest with ourselves, we should sit down and be like, this is crazy, like, Hark the herald, angels sing, and, you know, God with, I, I always forget words of songs, even ones I've sung since I was like three years old, so I'm not perfect. And um, so whatever those words are, they're crazy, right? Like, born of a virgin, in a manger, it's like, this stuff is crazy. Let us, let us embrace the craziness, guys, okay? Let us come, and as we read these things, God presents this to us. This is real, Right, this is real life. This is the story of God given to us. It's meant to, to kind of cause us to scratch our heads and be like, either this is made up, fabricated, crazy stuff, or this is real life that's meant to shape and define my life. And so as we look at the story of Joseph, let's not become numb to what's really going on here, okay? Amen? Amen. So let's read, picking up in Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So Mary, we, we talked about Mary last week, but just in case you, you weren't here, you don't remember, Mary was a young girl, likely in her late teenage years, mid to late teenage years, 14 to 16 years old. This was a common marrying age of the time. And here she is, and an angel appears to her and says, uh, Mary, blessed are you among women. You're going um, to be, you're actually about to become pregnant with um, God the Son. Uh, and she's like, wait, what? No, that's impossible. I've never known a man. I've never had sex before. That's impossible. I know how this stuff works, and I can't be pregnant. And then the angel says, no, actually, you are a, the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will conceive this child through, through, um, through the Holy Spirit, and you will indeed bear um, God the Son. And it's an unlikely situation. And so now... Um, this, this news comes to Joseph, who she's betrothed to. So rem let us, again, remember what this is. Okay, so in this time, betrothal, 
If you'll notice, the language is used, it says um, she was betrothed to Joseph. And then in verse 19, it says her husband, Joseph. So that language is used because when you're betrothed to somebody, it's like a legal binding relationship, all right? You are, you're locked in together. It's not like our day, you know, oh yeah, we got engaged, we're 14 years old. I gave her a, you know, ring pop and we awkwardly, you know, hang out outside the boys' bathroom. And so, you know, one day we're going to get, married. It's nothing like that. Like this is a, some of you guys are feeling a little uncomfortable. That was your story, junior high. All right. That's, um, so, hey, that's okay. All right. We can be free here. We can be real. But, um, so in this case, it's a binding, like it's a marriage. All right. It's a marriage by law, but not yet been consummated. Okay, they, they haven't moved in together, they haven't slept together yet, but they are committed to one another. And so um, this was like a year-long process, and then at the end of that year, the groom would come, and this, and this w- w- wedding festival would happen, and the groom with all of his friends would come, and there would be a procession, and he would come and show up at the house and be like, may I have my bride? And the father would then hand over the bride, and they would go in, and they would consummate the marriage, and then they would have a, like a week-long festival together of party and celebrate all these things. Well, they're in the in-between, okay? They are betrothed together, but they haven't moved in together. You know, they haven't been together in that way. And so Joseph, you know, imagine all that goes in. He's excited. He's anticipating everything that goes into looking forward to finally getting to be with his wife. But then he gets this news. I mean, can you imagine and the way it comes to him is like, hey, here, here's how this goes. Your, your um, wife, Mary, is pregnant. And he's like, man, what do I do with this? I, I, I don't know. I'm, and he is faced with a hard decision. And, and, and then he says, it says that he is a righteous man, so he doesn't want to shame her. Because by law, the way this would all go down is Joseph would be like unfaithful, uh, adultery, And then she would actually likely be put to death, death by stoning. She would be judged for her her, her affair. And it was a serious matter because God is a just and righteous God and he does not take sin lightly. And marriage is an institution that he ordained to reflect him and his goodness and his glory. So casual dating, flippant, you know, lust, going to nudie bars with your friends after work, all these things. That is, I mean, God does not take that stuff lightly, okay? Um, marriage and relationship is, is, he takes this seriously. And so Joseph knows this, and he's like, I don't know what to make sense of this. And, 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 he, and he likely caught wind that, that she um, is saying that it was that this child came from God and that she's still a virgin, but he doesn't know what to do. And he's filled here with a, a tense struggle. And he says, I, I, I want to honor her. I want to protect her. I don't want this to become known because once I divorce her, her life's over. No one's going to want to marry her as a single mother. Life's going to be hard. Right? I know we have some in the room here that can relate with this. That, and so much more even in that day. As a single mom, there was shame. You walked around with questions, and it was just a struggle. And Joseph has a hard decision to make, and he does the best he can. And he says, I am going to divorce her, but I'm going to do it quietly. And guys, let me just use this opportunity to say, 
Okay, when you put your faith in Jesus, it's not easy, all right? It doesn't just, every question is easily answered, right? You're considering your major, what do I do with life? What do I do in this relationship? And you think, man, uh, I love Jesus and that person loves Jesus and so every time we date, it's just gonna be easy and the first relationship's gonna be, of course, we're gonna get married and so how do we break up or how do we walk through this? Or, well, I don't know what to do after I graduate from college, but it should be easy, right? I just read my Bible, and I do, and it's just easy. It's not easy, all right? God doesn't just say, zap, boom, here it is, like, I'm going to just give you ease every time. He calls us to walk faithfully and dependently with him in every circumstance. And in fact, more often than not, it's not clear. It's not easy. And yet he continues to call us to be faithful and to look to him and sometimes, in fact, often, in my, in my wife, in my case, often, you guys, you make a decision. There have been times for us where we prayed, we sought counsel, we fasted, we were wondering what to do. There were times we were about to move to the East Coast to go to seminary. We had fasted and prayed about it. Then when we finally decided that was what we should do, we announced it to our church. And um, like three weeks later, we find out she's pregnant with triplets and we're like God um again information that would have been helpful to me yesterday (laughs) like right would have loved to know um before we just walked through this whole process that now we're going to actually stay here and we're not going to move and we're about to have you know triplets and life's going to be crazy but often he works like this okay God doesn't um make it necessarily easy for us by giving us every answer all along he calls us to be faithful he calls us to trust in him and that's what we see in Joseph to the best of his ability, he, and the best as he knows God's character, he makes a decision to divorce Mary. And yet God still has some course cor- correcting to do here. Um, picking up in verse, 20, in verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So he's probably worn out from this decision making, right? When you, when you have to make this kind of decision, he is torn up. His wife is pregnant. He's confused. What do I do with this God? And then he likely just falls asleep and an angel appears to him in a dream and the angel of the Lord and says this, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall name and you shall call his name Jesus. She, so, so Joseph does the best he can. He makes a decision. He's exhausted. He falls asleep. And boom, God goes and says, hey, right? He's not saying like, Joseph, you idiot. Like, what are you doing, man? What, divorce her? What? What are you talking about? No, right? He just says, hey, you've been faithful. I'm going to continue to lead you along the way. And he shows up to him in a dream. And he tells him, don't be afraid. Don't fear, Joseph. And just imagine the fear that he has. What are his friends going to think? What are his parents going to think? Is he going to be looked like a punk, right? He's walking around. Everybody knows they haven't slept together, and yet here she is, pregnant. And he's not worried about that now. Because God makes it clear. He says, trust me, follow me. And God calls him the son of David. And that's, this is packed, okay? We just need to understand that he calls him this because God says, Joseph, you're not going to be the father, All right, that's clear. Okay, she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This boy, who you're going to call Jesus, um, his father is, that job is already taken. 
It's, it's the heavenly father, and he's going to have a relationship with the father that we'll see time and time again here. And so God never does Matthew call Joseph the father, okay? He's not the father of Jesus. And yet, God, the angel of the Lord here, doesn't say, hey, but just sit back, kick back, take a back seat, right? It's not your kid anyway. Who cares, right? Just watch sports, do whatever, let him do his thing. No, he says, um, you are the son of David. You come from the line of David. If you guys remember last week, God made a promise over a thousand years earlier to David, King David, David and Goliath, you know, the, the, the giant and that whole guy. Well, he was a king, and he was a good king, the king of Israel, but he wasn't a perfect king. And God's promise that he would bring in a kingdom where, where wrong and brokenness and, 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 and hard things would be taken care of through a king and then David's about to die, and he's sinned, and he's turned away from God, and he's wondering, man, what's, how is this good news? And God makes a promise to him. He says, David, take heart. Someone will be born from your line. A king will come that will reign forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And, and the, perfect, the perfect rule and reign of God, where God is God and we are his people forgiven and restored, that will be ushered in, and that will come through your line. And Joseph is from the line of David. And though he's not the biological father of Jesus, he gets to be the legal father so that his heir would have the rights to the throne of David. And so that the heir of the legal relationship between Joseph and his stepson it would be passed on to him. And the, the rightful place on the throne that would last forever makes perfect sense in Jesus. And so God is working in these profound ways. And you've got to believe Joseph is just confused here. And again here, the angel says to him, um, he is conceived by the Spirit. It is a miracle. Okay, this isn't, this, God's in control here. Even though you might be confused by it, God the Holy Spirit overwhelmed this young virgin girl, Mary, and she is carrying God the Son. And this is crazy stuff, and Joseph is likely just reeling here, and then God continues and says, I have plans, though. I have a job for you, okay? You name him Jesus. You do it. And the Greek word here is a specific. It's not a plural. It's not like you guys. No, he says you. You get to name the Son of God, Jesus. And Jesus is derived from the, the name Joshua, the Hebrew, Yehoshua. And then in uh, Aramaic, the name of Jesus is Yeshua. means God saves, the God who saves. He says, Joseph, I've got plans for you. You get to name God the Son, and that's your role as a stepfather, as a foster father. You need to raise this child as if he were your own. And guys, let's be real. I don't know if we have any step-parents in here. I know I grew up in a home with, you know, step-parents, and sometimes that can be a, a hard situation, and it can be confusing and how this all works. I mean, imagine, imagine being a stepdad, and you don't get to say, well, under my roof, this is the way the rules go, you know, because then, I mean, can you just imagine, like, Jesus, God the Son, is like, well, ah, this house will be torn down in three days. It will be raised up again. <laughs> and it's just like, man, I can't win here. I don't know what to do here. But, 
But still, the, the reality here is that Joseph, full of tension, okay, this isn't easy, but God is in the business of bringing hope and entering into the tension and making sense of what is seemingly cannot be made sense of. And God says, no, you get to be a stepfather, and there is incredible dignity and incredible purpose in this. You get to name God the Son. You're going to name him Jesus, for he is going to save his people. And then he continues on. It says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Verse 23. Isaiah, this is from Isaiah chapter 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. We just sang a song about this, Emmanuel. Again, we can become numb to this. We can sing and be like, I don't know why Jesus is called Emmanuel. Sometimes Jesus, why are we doing these things? Emmanuel means God with us. God incarnate. All right, we live in a, in a town where there's a lot of Sp Spanish-speaking, okay, and Spanish is a Latin language. This is the same idea. Honestly, very frankly, this is God con carne. Honestly, this is really what this means. Jesus is God with meat on him. God with flesh. God in your face. God with you. Guys, this is crazy stuff. They're like, I, I don't get this stuff. I don't know, God, why are you doing things this way? Can't you just stay afar and zap things from heaven and make it all right? But we've got a God, listen to me, we've got a God who enters into the tension. He doesn't stand far off. And he says, no, no, no. It would be easy to stand back here and say, you have sinned, so get out of here. I am all-powerful. I am controlling, but... I don't care. Get out of here. You've sinned. You can have your cake and eat it too. But he's all powerful, but he's also with us. He's also good. He's not afraid of the tension. He gets into it. He gets into the mess with us. He rolls up his sleeves and gets his hands dirty. Emmanuel, God with us, born as a baby. Jesus, fully God and fully man. All powerful, almighty God and all good. Because he chose to enter into the mess. He chose to be born as a baby. To be fully human. Born of a woman. Had to have his diaper changed. Dependent upon a stepdad who was about to divorce his mom. This is messy, guys. And God doesn't just sit back. God enters into the mess. Because he's powerful and because he's good. And he says, I will not be a God who is far off, but I will be a God who is with you in the tension, in the chaos, in the struggle. I'm with you. And guys, this continues to be true today. Just fast forwarding to the very end of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says the same thing himself. He's, okay, this is after Jesus had already lived his full-on life. He's already over... 30 years old, okay, Good Friday all already happened. He already died on the cross, and then he raised from the dead on Sunday, okay? Easter happened already. He rose from the dead, and then he is about to ascend into heaven, and he tells his people, guys, I know this is confusing to you, just like it was confusing to Joseph. There is tension and chaos, and you don't necessarily know how to make sense of this, but I am good, I am powerful, and I'm with you, and I've got plans for you. Continue to be faithful to me, 
continue to live in dependence upon me because I'm working in you and I'm working through you. And here's how this is going to go down because they're like, Jesus, you just rose from the dead. We didn't, we abandoned you. We know it. Okay, our bad. But, but here you are, right? You rose from the dead. You could bring in this kingdom. Now's the time. We didn't get the whole cross thing, but you did it. You died on the cross. Now you're here back. You rose from the dead. Now let's do it, right? Get that sword. I know you have one hidden in there somewhere. Okay, get that sword. Bring in your kingdom. Put down Rome. And Jesus continues to be like, hey, guys, you're confused, but I'm with you. My kingdom is coming in a little kind of a crazy way because it's coming through you. You guys who abandon me, you guys who get really confused in the tension and the chaos, you guys who want to hit the eject button constantly, you guys who don't like the mess, here's what I'm calling you to do. Go, make disciples of all nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Guys, let's connect these dots here. Jesus, the little baby that we're celebrating right now, comes into the world sent by God the Father, conceived by God the Holy Spirit, God the Son who has come. He says, go now and and call followers of mine and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teach them these things, right? Listen, guys, if you're here today and you are experiencing the hope of Jesus, if, if the gospel, the good news has penetrated your life, there's a charge and a commission by Jesus to go and tell others. And we can build this up and we can make it crazy and we can struggle and wonder and how to do this stuff. Very simply put, have you experienced the hope of Jesus? Then go and tell others about what he is doing in your life. Guys, can you imagine what it would be like if we in this room shared with our neighbors, shared with in our soccer practices, at the bar, at the gas station, in our workplace, wherever we are, wherever we're going, this says as you're going, as you're doing life, close, near, and far, tell people about what I have done in your life. And he sends us to do this, and we're like, how? God, I'm not perfect. God, my family's messy. How am I going to go tell my neighbors about Jesus? They hear me yelling at my kids, right? Am I alone in this? Come on, am I the only one here, right? Like, how am I going to go do this? How am I going to go and share this stuff with my coworkers, all right? They see me taking an extra five minutes every once in a while for lunch. I'm not perfect. And the message of Jesus, the message of God all along is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus says, I know it's messy, but I'm with you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. He's with you in the tension, in the chaos, in the struggle. I don't know how to reconcile this pain I'm walking through. I don't know how to reconcile this unfaithfulness. I don't know how to reconcile this brokenness. I don't know, God, how you can be powerful and good and how I'm supposed to walk through this life. And he says... I'm with you. You're not in control, but I am, and I'm with you. And guys, there's a tension there that I don't want to dismiss. It's not easy. And and we struggle with this all the more because I I just want to be real here. Every one of us in this room are control freaks. Right? We, we struggle to embrace the good news of God with us, of a good God who's in control, and to walk through that because we want to be in control. 
All right? As some churches would do, we can, you can look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're a control freak, and I'm a control freak. We're all control freaks, and some of us might be like, no, 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 I'm like, you know, I'm like the, I love to party and while out. I don't have a schedule. I do whatever. I wake up at a different time every single day. I'm not a control freak. Well, you think that by being free, by your version of freedom, you can do whatever you want, and you want to control your life through license. And on the flip side, some of us are, you know, we've got PowerPoints and charts and, and, and checklists and, and, and all these things, right? And we're like, I, I, and you know that you're a control freak, right? And everybody knows it. But, but, but we're all control freaks, and so we fail to embrace the good news of God with us. And yet in Joseph, we see the way this plays out. We're told at the very end of it here in verse, um, in verse 24, Joseph says, or it says, Joseph woke up from sleep. That was a crazy sleep. He wakes up from his sleep and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. I don't think it was abundantly clear to him. I don't think the tension somehow went away. I don't think the seemingly unreconcilable reality of his life was all of a sudden reconciled. But he was obedient. And he didn't let his confusion or common sense get in the way of his faith. Now hear me, I, we need to be real here right now, guys. And in, in where we are in America in 2015, we are an intellectual, we are a common sense kind of people, right? And so we sit here in church and we hear things and we sing songs and we, and even from the pulpit, we always want to give a little asterisk, right? We always want to be like, well, of course you got to be smart. Like Jesus says, you know, hate your family and, and unless you hate your family in comparison to me, then, then, then you can't really be my follower. And I want to be here and be like, no, come on. I mean, come on. That's, not really what he's saying. He's not really saying to hate your family in comparison to your love for Jesus. He's not really saying to the, the, the rich young ruler, go and sell everything, right? We, and, and, and let us not forget that God is in the business of doing crazy things, okay? Do not let common sense get in the way of obedience. Do not let common sense replace God, and his plans, and what he is calling you and I to do. Because I can hear it right now. We can say, well, surely he wouldn't call me to do that. I might be called to give my life to this particular endeavor. I might be called to go to the ends of the earth and to invest my life in that way. But I mean, surely I shouldn't waste my degree in this way. Or on the flip side, it, man, I've got this degree and all my friends are going here and going there and it seems like I should go. I know this language. I know this. Surely I'm the one to go there. But man, I've got this job here and I've got this opportunity and it's a less sexy thing to do. But maybe I'm called to stay faithful here and no one's going to understand how I am still faithfully um, uh, uh, listening and obeying God by being an engineer or by staying and doing, or by going and doing. Or surely God wouldn't call me to break up with this person. Surely this relationship, surely this endeavor, surely a little bit of this is okay. Come on, I mean, I'm only human. I'm a man. You know, God, God, God made me this way. Whatever it might be, we dismiss things by common sense all the time. 
And I think we're on the pendulum that's way over here in our particular congregation, our particular context. Some places we do, the pendulum is over here. I'm not talking about subjective emotional whims. It's like God told me to go do this and go do this and God told me this and God told me this and, and you're just out on your own doing whatever God is, you know, telling you, and that's not what we're talking about here, but this is as it aligns with scripture through wise counsel and a context and a posture of prayer and of supplication and of obedience, do not dismiss what God is calling us to do, because he is in the business of working within the tension, And, and this is good news for us, but it's not easy news. In fact, it almost never is in scripture. So guys, as we respond right now, as we sing more songs, as we, as, we, as we realize the hope of the world come through a baby, let's peel back the no- normalcy that can, kinda, that, can, that can form over us this time of year. God's a crazy God, right, from our perspective. He does crazy stuff. Rome was ruling at the time that Jesus decided to come, Right? There would have been a lot more kind of calm times in the world than this. There would have been a lot easier ways than to come to a virgin girl in a, in a small town. There would have been a lot easier ways to do it than to call this, this man through a dream to stay with his wife and to embrace the tension of being a father that's not really the biological father. And yet the good news is that we have a God who's not afraid of the tension, who's not afraid of the, of the confusion from our perspective. But guys, the good news is that we have a God who is with us. And whatever kind of tension we're walking through, individually, as a people, as a world, he is with us and he is at work. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you for... Um, Thank you that you, you don't shy away from mess. Lord, you don't shy away from um, hardship. Um, Lord, you enter into it. You come. You put on flesh. You're God concarne. Lord, you have entered in, and that is good, good news. It's not easy news. So, Lord, I pray that somehow right now as we respond in worship, in confession, in prayer, in communion, Lord, as we do these things, may we find hope that is full of tension, but is also full of promise. Promise that you're here. Promise that you're near. Promise that you're with us. Promise that you will never leave us. And we pray these things because you have come, because you are with us. In the name of Jesus, amen.